0: Oh, hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. My guest today is James Bloodworth. He's a journalist, podcaster, and an author. We are talking about the modern dating economy. The modern dating market is a mess from polyamory to OnlyFans, Tinder to trad wives. No one really knows the best approach for navigating these waters, and the lessons from our parents no longer apply. James has dedicated an entire podcast series to the most interesting parts of the dating economy, and today, we're going through them. Expect to learn whether porn addiction is really a thing, why sexual inequality is the only inequality no one wants to campaign for, James's insights around what Tinder is doing to dating, why 17% of people think that approaching anyone is harassment, and much more. Also, we've just released a video on the YouTube channel about why being an entrepreneur absolutely sucks. Hustle and grind culture tells you that you should flip your soy boy boss off and leave your job to go and make it on your own and create millions, but the reality of working for yourself is very different. And in this video, I go through exactly why it's quite challenging and it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Go and check it out. It is linked in the show notes below or just go on the Chris Williamson YouTube channel and you will find it there. In other news, this episode is brought to you by Boohoo Man. Their brand-new Active Range is really, really good. Those quarter-zip, long-sleeve, sort of high-neck tops that they do are crazy comfortable. They they look smart. Somehow managed to make sportswear almost look smart. And the Active Skinny Joggers are the best joggers that I've ever found. I've been wearing them for years and years. £23 or like $25 for a a twin pack, one black and one grey pair, which is pretty criminal. Also, whatever it is that you need, whether it's smart stuff, work stuff, training gear, underwear, socks, accessories, everything. You can get the full works from Boohoo Man. They ship to the UK and to the USA, and you can get 40% off plus free shipping in the UK and in the USA. Go to bit.ly slash manwisdom. That's bit.ly slash manwisdom, and use the code MW40, at checkout to get a ridiculous 40% off you probably need to update update your wardrobe you probably haven't got some cool clothes because you've been in lockdown for forever go to boohoo man use that link use that code and you can probably get a brand new wardrobe for less than you can probably get a brand new wardrobe for less than the cost of the night out that you're going to wear it on but you'll have like 20 outfits go and do it In other, other news, this episode is brought to you by Pure Sport CBD. They've just done a new version of their unwind blend, which is my favorite sleep remedy. 1,500 milligrams of CBD alongside all natural ingredients to help you get to sleep, reduce stress, and enhance your mood. You'll wake up less throughout the night and find yourself more rested and revitalized in the morning. If you are struggling to sleep at the moment, it's a really great supplement to add in. Also, they've just released their Pure Sport Mind and Body Mushroom Blend, which is a stimulating and invigorating blend of six mushrooms that seek to enhance focus and also aid in relieving stress and anxiety whilst improving cognitive function. Lion's Mane and Chaga and Rishi and Shiitake and Cordyceps all blended together in the optimal dosage that you take once per day. You don't need to do any of the guesswork. They have done it all for you. And on top of that, you can get 20% off all full-priced items, including the Mushroom Blend and the Unwind, by going to puresportcbd.com slash modernwisdom and using the code MW20. They ship worldwide, so no matter where you are, you can get the highest quality CBD and the most advanced Mushroom Blend, puresportcbd.com slash modernwisdom and MW20 for 20% off. But now, it's time for the wise and wonderful James Bloodworth. James Bloodworth, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Why is calling the dating market the dating economy a good term?
1: Um, I, I'm not sure it's a good term. I mean, it's, it's it seems very, um, it seems slightly brutal to, to look at the, that dating romance and, and our ideas of romance to turn it into some kind of economic exchange. Um, I th- but I think it can be useful. I think it can be a useful way to, it can be a useful metaphor. For, for some of the things that are going on in, in the world of dating. And I think it, it can be a useful metaphor for people who aren't in that dating market at the moment, say, older, typically older people who are married or who grew up in a very different era when very different social norms prevailed. I think the idea of, of a dating economy uh, can be a useful way to convey to them some of the inequalities that exist now. And, and, and the final point really is with dating apps, you have actual data. Um, on what men's, women's preferences are, so it, it, it that can it, that can be put in spreadsheets. So it's kind of a it's kind of an economy.
0: Yeah, well, you're hearing more sort of economic language around this stuff now. People are scored out of ten. You have algorithms that are manipulating people's uh, ranks on dating accounts. There are like sexual market value is a term that's often used in men's rights spaces around. The relative age to attractiveness graph that goes on, so it kind of it kind of does make sense. And yeah, I suppose communicating it to people who found their found their partner a very long time ago, they need something to be able to bridge the gap between their dating world and ours, which is essentially a different universe.
1: Yeah, I, and I mean there is a dark side to it as well, though. I think there's there's a dark side to um, treating it as an economy and 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 treating it in this very like deterministic fashion. Um, quantitative fashion, where you you ascribe these certain characteristics to someone, say like a chad, so like the the, the good looking chad guy. and that you know that's the person who 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 gets with women, and then this other person who doesn't look the right way uh, doesn't you. Know, they have no chance it's over as, as some of the insults. say. I think that kind of determinism can tend to creep into it um when it's seen as like an economy, whereas in like in reality, Like dating is, it's not, you know, a market where there's certain laws which exist. It's, it's, there's, there's nuances, aren't there? Like someone doesn't, um, yeah, it's too, too simplistic, too, too deterministic.
0: I'd agree. So since 2008, the number of American men under 30 reporting no sex has nearly tripled. Why do you think that is?
1: I think there's more than one factor, of course. I mean, I think the, the most obvious one, like historic one would be, the shift from like a monogamous culture to what we have today, which is today is I wouldn't call it hookup culture. I think today it's a mixture. Some people are very engaged with dating apps and and hookups, but I think a lot of people do still want to pursue like a more traditional route. But I think that that's one big change. So whereas in the past you had, you lived in a small community, um, you tended to pair off with someone suitable for you. Um, Women didn't have the same learning power they had. So women were more restricted unfortunately in, in like who they could um, choose to date because they tended to have to marry who their family approved of because of financial reasons. And um, so that'd be the first reason that's no that, that culture is no longer really as strong as it was in the past. So women don't need to settle down with men. They're not attracted to basically. Um, the second reason I suppose, is I think dating apps have made a big difference because and when I say dating apps, I also mean apps like Instagram um, because I think this idea that, that how you present yourself is also is almost more important than the your substance as a per- person. So like if you know how to present yourself properly, um, I think you can do really well in in today's like dating economy, even if you don't necessarily have the attributes of the the chad or whatever. But I think um, if you most people don't don't know that I don't think, and um, that makes it very hard for them to kind of when when more than fifty percent I think people who young couples who get together nowadays it's they met on a dating app so if you don't know how to present yourself through a screen if you're not photogenic um, if you can't convey things like status or uh, good looks or, or whatever resources um, social dominance or whatever over a, over a photo or a, or a profile I think then you have a really hard time and so um, you're in the house looking at porn because that they're the easy alternatives as well so to kind of satiate you so you don't need to go out and uh, risk rejection more
0: than 50 percent of couples met online
1: yeah it's, it's 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 you you'd assume that anyway now i think because i mean anyone I, I met my girlfriend on on hinge um my friends they're they're the people they're meeting it tends to be on dating apps it's there's still bar stuff you, know, you still meet people in bars and stuff until the pandemic but it's apps are just an easier option
0: mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one, man, thinking about what that means, what that does to us as a as a society. I think that you're right, this kind of this desire to be able to understand everything creeps in from other other areas, right? So science tries to explain the entire world in terms of concepts. And then we want to be able to add that sort of deterministic, reductionist, rationalist perspective to dating as well. Okay, so what am I out of ten? What height am I at? How many matches have I got on Tinder? Where do I sit in my sexual market value? All of these things seem to sort of coalesce.
1: Yeah, and it, and it, and it, even going back to say like the the pickup artists in the so Neil Streis brought out the, the the game in like 2005, I think it was, and um, even around that kind of scene, it was it kind of was really about nerds, basically socially awkward men trying to put the kind of treat it like engineering, treat it like treat, it, treat dating like you're an engineer or you're so, you know, you put this wire in here or you press this button and then you get this response and kind of quantify everything and remove the, like, uncertainty because the, the pain is in the uncertainty, isn't it? When you when you first go out with someone, when you first approach someone to start a conversation or something, it's it's a uh, fear of rejection. is you know, terrifying. So if you can kind of quantify everything so uh, you can uh, figure out, you know, if you take this move, then, then this outcome will happen. Or it gives you a, a rationale for just giving up. So within cells, it's... Uh, I think there's a there's a kind of misanthropic uh, aspects to some of it where you kind of you kind of self flagellate yourself and and get something from that and these doctrines like the black pill tell you oh it's over you know there's no point even trying and there is a kind of weird freedom in that you know just like legitimates your suffering yeah 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 yeah, like a nihilist might screw the world you know Mm. or not in this case fuck the world (laughs) world.
0: (laughs) (laughs) what do you think it says that a lot of the guys that were part of that fratire pickup artistry community 10 to 15 years ago are in really weird places now. So, Neil Strauss has had the biggest 180 ever and seems to be sort of super happily married. Um, that mystery guy, I-, I don't know where he's gone. That Rouge V, he's now like a born again Christian or something. Tucker Max, the guy that invented fratire, the entire fratire genre, he's now uh, like a. Paragon of MDMA psychotherapy and went to psychotherapy every day for five years and now is self helping people to self publish books like David Goggins. What do you think that says? Is that just guys growing up? Is that just mistakes that you make when you're single and then the wrangling effect of a relationship or is there something else going on there?
1: I mean, different, different for di- different cases. So, I mean, I think different things are going on there. And there's also, you know, the big part of the what used to be like the pickup community is now in moved into like self-help and, and um, personal development of, you know, a spiritual, supposedly like a spiritual kind of transformation and stuff. Um, I think the one reason I think this happened, so, I mean, I've seen people from that, that old community on videos, you know, doing anti-vax stuff as well and that kind of thing now, you know, the calling it the pandemic and things like that, um, which I think, I think part of that comes from an initial distrust of the mainstream. So if we go back to say like 2005, when, when Neil Strauss published his book, the reason, one of the reasons that lots of men were kind of drawn to the, the pickup stuff, I think. um, And I, you know, when it first came out, I was interested in this, you know, I I, I sucked with just social skills in general uh, when I was like 22, 23. And I think a lot of people got drawn into that because what the mainstream told young people and men and women uh, about romance was kind of you kind of started to see through it as you as you reach your kind of teens early 20s and you know it didn't just happen you know fate didn't take care of it uh the the, being nice you know being a gentleman being chivalrous a chivalrous gentleman it wasn't uh you know the girls who didn't weren't interested in you like in in college or whatever and it was the you know it's the cliche like the the guy who was kind of a dick who seemed to uh, who seemed to be the one who who got with the with the attractive girls. And not necessarily because he was a dick, but there was there was, you know, other things going on there. But I think lots of people who got into the, the PUA, PUA and pickup stuff, they saw this mainstream narrative, you know, heard their parents telling them, oh, just like be nice and you'll meet someone. And it, they just saw right through it and then there was a void there. And then the kind of pickup artist stepped in and said, you know, this, you know, they, they actually said that some of the dating is counterintuitive. Um, like flirting, for example. Um, but there was this toxic side to all of that, too. Um, and I think... Um, I've well, kind of forgotten where I'm going with this. But, but I think just, that- where's
0: that? Where, what, what, why have we seen these people from there pivot into these incredibly sort of different lives, you know, only 10 years later?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, distrust of the mainstream. So you've seen that kind of... Their that, that whole trajectory from pickup to, like, self-help to some of the religious, like weirdness that that this guy rocheville i mean he was a very toxic example at, at, right the way through uh, in my opinion so um but I think the distrust of the mainstream has has propelled these people into different um cults basically um and and th- part of that is because the mainstream does talk rubbish on dating advice and i think pick up and was was sort of a reaction to that um even though you know it was it was itself quite toxic in many ways.
0: You spent a fair bit of time last year speaking to people on a podcast about the modern dating economy. What were some of the more surprising insights that you weren't ready for during your research for that?
1: um I suppose i mean I've always been kind of op- optimistic by uh people's uh potential to like self improve in some ways like the average but per- average person. I know people have different problems and stuff, but I think um yeah someone someone of like average looks average kind of abilities can like go to the gym and like improve themselves a bit and things will get easier in terms of like dating um but i I suppose speaking to people on the podcast there was there was a couple of conversations where i kind of i spoke to, to to someone about lookism i had a conversation about lookism what's that uh so it's it's discrimination based on what people look like so we all we all do that in in dating but it's 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 kind of across other areas so you know, you earn less over a lifetime if you um, uh, uh, stereo, uh, stereotypically less attractive, and you earn more over a lifetime if you're stereotypically attractive. Um, I kind of learned more about how how deep that is in society, how deep the kind of how deeply we we often treat, how differently we often treat, you know, stereotypically good-looking people from from those who aren't so so fortunate in that way. Um, and also, you know, I think a lot of the advice to given to incels can be condescending when it comes from that kind of self-development, self-help space. So um, I had a conversation with William Costello, who's who's done some writing on research on, on incels. And he he you know he's recorded that, that one of the things that's most often said to incels is, oh just lift, just lift bro, you know, go to the gym and that'll solve your problems. And um, you know, just, just go out to the bar and and if you're you know pickup artists told them to just go out to a bar and just start approaching. But then there's a bit of kind of arrogance to that because we don't understand always this, this. some of the issues that some of these people are going through. So you have people with physical deformities, you have people with, you know, 20, 20%, I think, of people on the in the incel community uh, have, have Asperger's or, or high-functioning autism. Um, so, I mean, just telling someone to go out to a bar um, and socialize or go to the gym is, you know, sometimes it's harder for those people.
0: Mm. Yeah, that was what came up speaking to Nama on the podcast as well, that the languages and the worlds that people, different people exist in, they don't work anymore. The pieces of advice that previously we would have got from our parents or from modern dating doesn't understand. But then as you get more and more nuanced, they don't understand the challenges either. There was another one that I thought was really interesting talking about the differences between men and women. 17% of young people think approaching anyone is harassment but also 90% of women want the man to approach first. How can those two things exist at the same time?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a weird kind of um, cognitive dissonance, dissonance in the culture generally, I think, when it comes to dating at the moment. So that's one example where um, you have a... thing is, I mean, that's that 17% or whatever, that's like people, they're, they're all online because it seems like that's... If you're on Twitter or something, um, and you even suggested... You know, approaching someone you are interested in, just you know, in a bar or something, or a, you know, coffee shop or whatever, they would say that's you know, borderline harassment already. It's this weird. But then if you go out into into the real world, I mean, people are still meeting like that. People it's still is still happening. But there's this weird like discourse online which pretends, um, which scolds anyone who would who would dare to to do such a thing. Um, I think that's. I think there is a there is an issue for men in terms of um so so men don't often perceive how uncomfortable they make women feel they often don't um uh there was a, a recent book by david david bust the yeah
0: he's been on he was amazing
1: yeah he's, his his work is really interesting And In his book bad men uh he talks about you know the the kind of empathy gap where if a woman's like approached by by these creepy guys then the men doing the men being creepy will often not understand that they're being creepy there's the, this like empathy gap and uh they don't understand how uncomfortable they're making women feel so i mean i think there are there are i, I think there's a backlash against that and women are kind of demanding in many cases not to be harassed or even talked to in in the public kind of space um, but but i think there's about ba- there's an obvious balance like um there's a way there's a way to go and start a conversation with someone and there's a way not to do it i think common sense is like most people outside of the kind of Twitter weird ideological tower, ivory tower. Understand what's creepy and what's not, at least on one level. Um, but yeah, there's there's this kind of weird uh, ideological cognitive dissonance at the moment.
0: It is strange because I, I understand you want to. You don't want to get people into a situation where they're made to feel uncomfortable. Nobody wants that. No one, and least of all as a guy, you don't want to be the guy that makes someone feel uncomfortable either. But on the flip side, 90% of women want the man to approach first. And this is something that keeps on coming up. Desire and the market always kind of manifests everyone's truth forward. So for instance, when companies talk about, or, 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 uh, social justice activists talk about perhaps, um, let's say the, the perils of fast fashion. Like, I can't believe that these companies are selling these clothes for so cheap and they're damaging the environment and they're hurting the workers. But then when you look at what those girls wear on their nights out, they'll happily go on pretty little thing and grab themselves a dress for £10. So the market always seems to kind of find where people's real truths lay. And then the same thing seems to happen in dating too, that in some ideologically pure environment where we try and nerf any discomfort out of the world, yeah, maybe there are situations in which, maybe the safest world that we could exist in is one where no man ever walks up to a woman because that means that no woman can ever be made to feel uncomfortable. But it also means that most women are not going to feel like they're desired. And desire is a really important thing. So, yeah, you do have these sort of conflicting ideologies bouncing up against each other.
1: Yeah, and, and I think there's there's it's very hard to have a conversation about inequalities in the dating quote-unquote market. It's, it's, I find this very um, hard to have conversations with when it's with people who haven't, like studied this in some way or who who haven't taken an interest in it so they're just looking at it from like a personal perspective i find with guys there's like a lot of guys have a lot of ego around um around this stuff so you know they 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 may have met their significant, significant other you know in and in an old-fashioned way like through through college or through work or something um but then they believe that you know if they wanted to they had the so they have the social skills to go and meet you know in a bar just walk up to someone and, and talk start a conversation or whatever and so they kind of sneer at the incels and, and um, you know, throw the insult incel around everywhere um, to kind of show that they're superior to those people. Whereas if they were in the same context incels are in now, um, they, you know, they just they literally got lucky in, in that situation. And so there's kind of an ego attached to discussing uh, some of these things. I think women are reluctant to discuss, um, like, dating inequality, partly because I think there's a legitimate fear of a regression to some of the kind of socially conservative norms of the past the one that in particular the ones which 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 didn't give women much freedom because you know it sought to control their sexuality i think there's there's a fear on the part of women to to kind of look at dating inequalities because there's an aspect of that which feels to them like um we're blaming women for their choices you know for not choosing the nice the nice uh the nice guy who works in insurance or whatever um but for like for like going off with that Chad who has the motorbike, um, I think there's an element of... Because um, I think that's too deterministic as well. But I think women fear um, that conversation taking center stage because then you then get a movement which tries to put women back into this box uh, where they don't have any sexual freedom at all.
0: Yeah. In a world where inequality is quite in vogue and and applauded at the moment, why do you think sexual inequality is one of these ones that just isn't? Apart from the desire of women not to be put back into a sort of a a trad world which is perfectly legitimate
1: i think i think partly because like what's the what would the remedy be i mean there is i mean there's the the remedies are uh individual so the remedy if you're so i mean the remedy if you're someone who's like struggling uh to if you're if you're a guy who's struggling to get any kind of date or anything i mean there is really no other remedy than kind of individual work on yourself in some ways like or just focusing on other things so so work on yourself you know basic self-improvement stuff i think kind of holds true like go to the gym get some hobbies improve your social skills and like find ways to start talking and conversing with people so you so your social muscle like builds more i mean and, and also i would say just like focus on other stuff because uh i think one of the problems is. There is a kind of so the the fem, when the feminists talk about this issue, what they are right about is uh, the 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 way men treat each other based on how many people the how many women the man's had sex with It's like we hold men in much higher esteem typically culturally if they're seen as someone who you know um, has you know gets with women or whatever it's it's you know you will see and and whereas if you're not you're insulted as you know in the play, from the playground age it's like a virgin or an incel now and I think. Um, if, if men, I think men kind of have to move away from that value system a bit because it's 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 quite. Um, there are lots of problems with it, but one of them is if you if you happen to be at the the lower end of that hierarchy and you're attaching so much value to to the fact that to your to your ability to to get in a partnership or whatever, you think that that's the be all and end all of life. I think that that makes it worse. I mean, there is a, there is a there is something to be said for you know focusing on some vocation or whatever instead, and and then. Funnily enough, paradoxically, I think people are more attractive when they do that as well. They be, they gain status, they become uh, more attractive people because they have ambition and drive and whatever.
0: Mm. It's it's a weird one because I think a lot of women judge other women's looks more harshly than men do because they're able to see the finer points of that dress with those earrings and those nails of shit or whatever. And then men judge other men's status and resources and sexual conquest now the consequences are more important to the other side because that kind of gets to work out where you are hypergamously within the hierarchy for each different gender but a lot of the discomfort actually gets delivered from your own side right you get the the pain about not pulling or being a virgin or an incel or whatever from your own side more so from the other and the same thing goes for for looks with women that a lot of the criticisms i think that women have around beauty standards for women the, the finger needs to be pointed very heavily at women for creating these beauty standards for each other.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think there's kind of an element of, of interest, intrasexual competition. So like pulling other women down, and men do it as well, just in a in, you know, different way. They, they, they berate them for, for kind of different, different things um, and try and kind of um, subvert their kind of masculinity and, and belittle them uh, for that. But I think it's, um, I mean, I, I think there's we, we've come from like a, an era where there were where there were all these norms around um, you know, marriage and the nuclear family. And many of those were quite quite sexist and stuff. And now you've got you've got the kind of residual memory of that. So you've got a generation above us um, who, who that was completely normal. And, and and those attitudes, they still pass on to, to, their, to their kids and stuff. And um, we have a, a more liberal, which I think is generally a good thing. Uh, sexual climate now where the same ideas are, are kind of um transmitted to, to young men who aren't very successful that you know oh if you if you don't um if you aren't finding someone to settle down with or if you aren't sleeping with all these women you're you're basically a loser and a virgin and an incel i think that's uh i think that's yeah that's incredibly toxic and i think that's um and and and, and apps like instagram and and whatnot where you see the rise of influencers like dan it, it kind of elevates even more this idea that the, the, the kind of the really successful man is the person with with like a harem of, of of women or whatever that polygynous, and you know that's not necessarily a very good outcome for the, for the women either because they're they're treated as kind of uh, props in that in that scenario.
0: What are some of the challenges that women have in the modern dating market?
1: I think the the age old one of, of threat of violence. So um the risk so i know going out on on a date with someone new for for us say on on like an app or something it wouldn't really cross our mind that's that like our head could end up on a stick at the end of the night or something it's it's like there's that that wouldn't even like i wouldn't even think about that generally
0: you're not bothered Uh, about whether she's putting something in your drink yeah
1: i did have a stalker well i do i do kind of have a stalker so it's i probably shouldn't say but it's still it's um i don't think the, the fear of physical violence isn't isn't like the same um, so no I think that's obviously for women that's that's the biggest challenge I think also now you have on on dating apps there's a level of inequality so there's a uh, like the, the data we have it's like a relatively small percentage of men like 10-20% um, whatever it is tend to be the ones getting most of the matches and then the average male is is not not doing that well uh, you know just 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 a few matches and I think for for women on the one hand that's good because they now they have a wider pool of, of people to kind of shoot their shot at. So if you're a woman on a dating app, um, you can actually try you can actually start a conversation with the highest status guy who maybe lives in the city when you live in the country or whatever, and you can at least have a shot at that. But I think it can be bad for women because I think they then get used by a lot of those 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 men. And not necessarily like women can enjoy you know, casual hookups with as much as as much as men and, and and that's um yeah i mean that's that's um i think we're, we're society is beginning to accept that more now but it's also i think they often date these guys in the hope of a relationship and then the guys string them along and then they end up kind of using them so i think um women can get the raw end of the can get a raw deal um yeah across the board it seems to be the chads who do the best at, the so-called chads who do the best out of the dating app economy
0: there's only them that have yeah. won as far as i can see so yeah i would i would agree and say that more choice for women more liberation fewer judgments around sexual sort of freedom yeah those are good things but as women become higher status better educated with more resources they want to date up and across but as men can't keep up with the women that are now starting to outperform them the women all they really have left to do is to have an ever-increasing group of women competing for an ever-decreasing group of high-performing, high-status men, or to date someone that fundamentally they're slightly less attracted to. And if you've been through the dating pool on Tinder and you have had a hookup or a couple of hookups with these super high-value men, you're now you've got this sort of comparison game going on where you think, well, this was this was what I got before, therefore I can get it again, but the paradigm within which that worked, like it's hookup versus relationship. And then that creates resentment amongst some of the guys as well. I've had comments on previous videos from people saying that it's the duty of guys to young single guys to find a woman at 22 or 23 and settle down with them because going through a laundry list of girls, you know, every six months or whatever throughout your twenties is effectively tying up their reproductive capability and uh so that they they aren't this is monogamy as a sexual redistribution strategy right like that if it's one man to one woman then it enables more men to have sex with more with the equal number of women that they have but um yeah it's a challenge man this whole thing's got so messy and who would have known you know who knew that downstream from women being able to quite rightly learn as much as they want and earn as much as they want and move up within organizations and gain status and buy houses and do stuff like that most women don't want to date a man that doesn't work. I think you. this was a stat I learned from you, that only like 10 or 15% of women would ever consider dating a man who's either part-time employed or not employed at all. Um, all of these things are challenges. All of these things are, are really difficult.
1: Yeah. And I think there's there's a question of, of both men and women recognizing certain, I don't know, like, I mean, as, as much as this is, I hope this is possible, but men and women kind of recognizing certain biological like, drives in terms of, um finding someone of higher status or a man you know being attracted to you know like a, a 40 year old man you still pursuing you know 25 year old women or whatever i've got some friends
0: i've got some friends that are like that yeah
1: yeah i mean there's there's kind of um there's kind of two there's there's kind of some things which which we know kind of there's a tendency towards so so if you there's surveys with like men from the ages of um you know 20 to to 40 or whatever The age of the women they're attracted to stays around the same. It's like doesn't. So when they're when they're twenty, it's like twenty-three year old women, or when when they're forty, it's still twenty-three year old women or whatever. But it's like it doesn't mean you have to actually do that. It's like it doesn't mean it's 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 morally a good thing for someone who's um you know a married person to just keep trading in for like a younger partner. There's something kind of very shallow, very immoral immoral about that. Um and there's something you know our society in general, it it kind of reflects something in our society in general where everything is seen as like disposable, including your, your significant other way. You just throw it away and kind of buy it, essentially buy like buy a new one or or replace it with something newer and shinier. In many cases of these people, yeah, probably is buy, buy another one. Um, But I I think it doesn't mean you have to actually like live that. And the culture I think makes a big difference as well. And for women um, it's, you know, yeah like there may be an aspect of, of biology which kind of um put, moves them towards pursuing uh, the the highest status uh man in the community or, or who's accessible but is that always the it should it should cult, the culture encourage that or should it say you know there are other values that are important as well because i think those things do make a difference
0: it's going to be hard to make don't go for like you don't deserve the best yeah. like you know, this whole kind of... You're worth it. Yeah, you're, not, you're, you're worth slightly less than you think you are is like the <laughs> message to take from that. But there's this whole sort of don't settle, no settling, clapping back, be a boss bitch. These sorts of things don't lend themselves toward women being accepting of of challenges with a partner. And if you have finally managed to get a guy that is of the right status with everything else, I don't know if you can... Culturally, I don't think that the layer, the, the layering of completely um, ridding us of, how would you say, evolved cultural wisdom that a, a single relationship, be attractive to many partners but choose one, um, I, I, dispensing with that whilst also saying that you should get whatever you want, I think that these two things provide a, a very difficult dating market specifically for women, more so than for men.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think we're moving the other way as well. So it's I think we're still moving in the opposite direction, where, um, where you know, it it, we're not moving back towards you know a more monogamous culture. We're moving more to a place where I think social media is an interesting one here in terms of how it's like expanded the dating pool. So um, if you have an app like Instagram, um, for for like say a relatively attractive woman who lives in like a small town or something, um, if she gain some kind of Instagram cloud, she's gonna have access to a much wider pool of men, you know, low-key celebrities and, and whatnot than she would in, you shouldn't have the blue ticks like sliding into her a, into a DMs and, and whatnot. So she's now got access to, to those potential partners in a way that she like, didn't wouldn't have had in the past. Um, and I think that's as technology kind of increases, it's the, the, the purpose of technology in our economy now is to kind of um, create more choice for us to, to, to expand our choice potential. Um, And so there is a, there is kind of encouragement to kind of have it all to pursue the absolute top thing. Um, But also the what's considered, you know, status or high status, a lot of that is conditioned by the culture. So if we look at good looks, for example, there's a stat from, so I think every decade since the 1930s, um, every decade, no, not every decade since the television age, uh, people have, have attached more status to good looks in a partner than previously, so every decade since whenever TVs were, were went like mass market, um, people, you know, you you they're attracted to to certain good looks, but it's also there's status attached to looks as well. Why do you think, think that is? Because I, I think you know uh, presentation. So so in it, if you move from an economy where it's print based to to where it's all on a screen, you have the rise of politicians like JFK, for example, telegenic, charismatic. Um, and I think that, that, that means then status becomes attached to those, those qualities and that feeds over into dating as well. And I think dating apps have accentuated that even more. So when I was, when I was coming up in, in the, the mid 2000s as, as like a teenager and early 20 something, you, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't doing very well with the, uh, with the opposite sex at that time, but there was, I was never worried about something like my height. Like I'm like, what, five, five eleven I think. it was never like oh you've got to be six foot or or something like that that to me is something that's been it was always there a little bit but it's been kind of um formalized from the culture around dating apps and i think the same is true about certain types of good looks so um the importance of being good looking the status attached to it is more now one because things happen through a screen often the first impression but also because because women have more economic independence so Um, can freely choose more they don't have to necessarily think about how much money the person has um, if they're attractive if they're physically attractive
0: are there some intersecting groups of feminists at the moment i don't really understand how all of feminism is fragmented but i imagine that some groups are kind of happy with the direction in which things are going and others kind of want to turn things around have you looked at any of this
1: um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think anyone's. I mean, the, I guess with activists, no one's ever happy with the direction things are going. I mean, are going because otherwise, you cease to become an activist. And what the hell do you do with your time then if everything's everything's fine already? Um, you sound like a neo neoliberal then. But um, no, I think, I think, yeah, it varies. So I mean, sex positive feminists tend to see uh, hookup culture as, as, you know, broad, sexual freedom is broadly a good thing. And in some ways, I think I think they're right. I think it's um, I think, you know, I, I I adhere to the basic kind of principle, liberal principles on that. I think people should be free to kind of get get together with who they want. Um, the radical feminists, it tends to be more of a there's there's more of a kind of anti pornography campaign and anti prostitution campaigns going on at the moment, I think is um yeah again i i agree with aspects of that as well i think um i don't think it's it's inherently good just like the commodification of people's bodies and, and the idea that there's that pleasure is all that there is in life i think there is like a deeper a deeper reason to be with someone for example um and then you have like the traditionalists the the trads the trad uh the, the trad wing of the feminist movement which is um just a, just like appalled by everything um <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it, but yeah, like but, but that's their role, I suppose. But but they're but but then they're not completely wrong either. I mean, I think there's uh as we've talked about. I think many women get a raw deal from from hookup culture. Um, I also think um, yeah, I think there's something to be said. There's there's kind of a deeper meaning uh, to to being with someone than just like gratification. I think be- building like a connection, building a deeper bond, building something. Um, meaningful i think is i think there is an importance to that i am not i don't subscribe to the to the whole um you know progressive thing that you know is ostensibly anti-capitalist but yet treats other human beings as if they're completely like disposable when you can just swap one person out for someone else i think sometimes uh it's is much there's much more kind of value to be built in building a longer connect, a bigger connection
0: it's like that story of the blind man and the elephant isn't it? It's, nah. Some of them, everyone's touching a different part and someone has got a little bit of truth within their own different domain. Yeah, man. I, so I'm really, really fascinated with what we see next. Like what happens, how we move forward from this position with sort of increasing sexual liberation, but a biological compulsion to have a family. You know, you have to be, no matter how culturally deprogrammed you think things need to get, you have to be an incredibly unique man or woman, I think, to make it to 50 Without a partner or a family, and say, look back and say that it was a good, a good decision. That's not to say that there aren't people out there for whom that is correct, but to make it to that stage, it, you are an outlier. like by definition, you would have been your, your genes would not have made it through. so that is, that is, by definition an outlier perspective. But it seems that finding families and creating families is going to get more difficult. I, I don't know if you agree.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think some ways the kind of it, it, uh, aside from the kind of um, the the actual incels or whatever, I think the the, the kind of dating environment now it c- can also create like a uh, like an uh, aura, like a halo or like a penumbra of insecurity around uh, existing relationships because there's so much choice potential on an app. On could have Tindo, always done on, a little bit
0: better. You've got it in the back of your mind.
1: Yeah so there's there's stats in one of David Buss's books again which is talks about how um, when we're exposed to a partner who's who's more attractive than 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 our other when we're exposed to a, a partner who's, who someone in the meet social media who's more attractive than our partner we we tend to become you know if someone asks us questions about them we tend to give less committed answers to this partner so oh you know it's not that serious or whatever there's 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 quite big studies on this and when we ex- and our satisfaction goes down with our current partner so when we're exposed all the time to these um, images of, of so-called perfection many of them not even real many of it's you know many of them are uh, airbrushed and and edited and whatever are kind of we we the same we feel the same way we do with our work or whatever that you know the grass is greener on the other side that everyone else is living this amazing life while we you know our life is a real life you know it's not perfect like even the people on social media you know that that's not real but but there's this perception that it's real um at least to some extent and we feel more dissatisfied with our current partners. so, it, so the, the environment now with social media i think it creates this bigger air of insecurity around existing relationships as well makes that more like perilous should i get in a relationship because is um you know there's more opportunity to cheat i mean like one in three what is it no it's, it's like 25 percent, i think of men on tinder have partners already like girlfriends or wives or, or are married it's, <laughs> it's uh it's sort of shock, it's shocking in a way there's like more opportunity, and yeah more opportunities to cheat
0: wasn't there uh you interviewed a lady on your podcast who went for a date directly opposite the apartment block where the man that she was on a date with lived with his missus and his missus came down and started shouting at them
1: yeah uh, yeah i mean and and that's the thing i think men for men i think they should speak to women more about their experiences on dates because I mean every every woman I've been out with in in the last like couple of years i've I've kind of been curious and talked about their experiences on dating apps and they all have like a super weird story whether it's like a weird like catfish story or or um yeah things like that where someone's someone's married and then hides it and or just like worse where it's someone who's creepy or pushy or something like that but um yeah it's I mean the internet allows people to conceal um. See their intentions a bit more.
0: What's porn doing to dating?
1: I think porn's making men more like apathetic to get to kind of go out there and try and, and make the effort to meet someone because it's you know it's um, I think that's kind of common sense, really. I think that's that's fairly obvious. That if someone has the, I think going out to meet new people, especially so, I was someone who's very socially awkward when I was uh, so from like 17 till like about 22. I didn't have a girlfriend that lived in in the countryside. Had like a lot of social anxiety. Was very, um, I would say, introverted, shy. So I would be afraid to. I, I could not imagine going and having a conversation with with a woman or something. And I think um, if you're in that situation, I think it's, there's already so much fear around going outside and stuff. And you're just kind of um, like pornography is another reason to kind of stay in. It takes care of one of your basic needs in the way that computer games will stimulate you, or there's there's one less reason to go outside to find simulation, to find to like engage with the world. It's it's like a simulation of the world. I think that that's a big thing. And also I think it's the a view of women, there's the obvious points about it. I think um you see the prevalence of of men uh treating women in a certain way um in the bedroom because they've seen something in, in like a porn film and um they 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 don't they they aren't calibrated to whether the woman is is you know that's something they're enjoying and it's and then uh yeah i mean you you hear lots of stories from women about this in the media like the pornification of sex i think that's a problem and um yeah i mean and and just the, the standards so so people think that this is the certain standard of beauty what they see in in like a porn film it makes guys feel insecure on the one hand so they think if they're not the guy in the porn film who they don't know is you know taking like some Viagras or whatever, and um, on steroids and, and everything else, they, they think that like, that's the standard they have to live up to now. So it makes them get like anxiety. And for women, it's like they feel the same way sometimes about the porn actresses that men, are, that's the kinds of women that men desire. So you have to live up to that. I think it can be very harmful. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, I'm not sure what I think would do about it in terms of like um, policy or like whether it should be restricted or anything, but I think it can be very harmful.
0: What about porn and sex addiction? You had a conversation about this, right? What do you find out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, so. I have ADHD, so I can get basically easily addicted to anything, anything stimulating. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's with with kind of, um, I'm not sure if sex, if I believe really sex, addi- sex addiction, but I think it's more like dopamine addiction, isn't it? So it's it's kind of I, I take medication because there's like a lack of dopamine in my brain and the medication fills the, the dopamine gap in the neurotransmitters. So, I mean, if you, um, yeah, I mean, we all like a dopamine hit. So, I mean, that's what sex addiction is in a way, just that on steroids or something.
0: Yeah, they looked at, your guest looked at the pathways, I think, and couldn't find any similarities between the sort of typical addictions that people were finding with drugs and, and that from porn or from sex but as he said i think it was tiger woods that used as the example if you lose your night contract because you've cheated on your wife that's one thing but if you've lost your night contract because you've got an addiction then you go to rehab and come back out that's Uh, something quite different and you're able to get your your sponsorship back i think yeah
1: yeah, I mean, my girlfriend accuses me of using ADHD as an excuse, so it's like oh, I can't help it. I've got ADHD. I've got a medical. Th- I've got a note from the doctor. Uh, got a disorder.
0: Yeah. What about OnlyFans? What do you think that's doing to men and women's views of each other?
1: I mean, I think it's it's uh, like I think it's a sad situation, but not not in kind of a prudish way. So I mean, I don't really feel like like shocked. Like, oh my god, these these people are kind of um, you know doing this stuff uh, like online. It's more just like, first of all, because I think there's an economic critique of it where women feel like the, the the most valuable asset in society is to just take their clothes off for thirsty men, basically. But then on the other hand, you've got, I think the, the situation on on the part of many men is quite sad as well, because with OnlyFans, it's not always just pornography. I mean, you have men trying to form intimate connections with, with their quote unquote girlfriends. Um and we'll regularly see the same same people. And it's the women who've women who've talked about this often have talked about how um the men also want a conversation and want some kind of connection with someone that they don't have in 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 the real world. So I mean I think I think those two things are, are quite kind of depressing kind of comments or commentaries on the, the like atomization of society.
0: I think there's something else going on here with regards to women's views of men as purely commodities or purely sort of a wallet to open up and I think that this trickles down you see this in young girl culture or at least I do in nightclubs that girls are happy to bounce from table to table in a nightclub that's what I do I run nightclubs and you see the girls that will move between the different tables and take drinks from whatever and they'll stay on the table that's got the most bottles the biggest one And you think well yeah so part of this is just old school hierarchical resource acquisition and and trying to get the guy that looks like he's got the most status because he's got the most the biggest table with the biggest bottles but i also think there's something else going on which is that when women are able to make astronomical amounts of money you know six figures a month from commodifying themselves but taking the money out of the pocket of men quite rightly there's an argument on one side that says well men have been the gatekeepers for wealth for far too long and women are able to take this back. And you go, well, yeah, but is it is it your highest virtue to to do it at sort of the lowest, most base level of what it is that you have to offer the world? Like, you know, prostitution's as old as time, but and that's not to say that doing sex work online is the same as prostitution, but it's not a million miles away, you know? It's not a million miles away. And I think that there was this quote from a buddy of mine who said that um, just as porn is impacting men's opinion, uh, men's uh, expectations of women, OnlyFans is impacting women's expectations of men. And that um, you mentioned it a couple of times, transient transactional sort of relationship. What can I get out of you for what you want from me? It does seem to kind of encourage that commodification of relationships.
1: Yes, definitely. And I think, I think there's there are feminists, I think, who have a good critique of, the only phenomenon in the like, you may, you may go on to like only fans. And if you're a attractive woman and make far more money than you make in, in your regular job, but you're also helping to perpetuate a culture where a woman's value, highest value is seen just as ha- her physical attractiveness. So you, you're, you're kind of um, you're not helping the sisterhood, so to speak. I think that's a good, good, a good critique of it from, A feminist perspective that you're you're helping to perpetuate this standard social standard where a woman feels often feels like her only value is how attractive she is which does obviously harm women in the long term you know because they'll they'll you you see this the 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 quote-unquote shelf life of um women in modeling or or you know music career or whatever um or you know in the in the, the red pill communities or whatever they talk of women you know over 35 as hitting the wall and um, but you know, it's, 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 it's an unpleasant term, but it, it speaks to how women lose many of their opportunities in our society when they lose their physical beauty. And and you know, I think only things like OnlyFans perpetuate that idea that a woman's a woman's value is attached, attached just to her physical attractiveness.
0: Yeah, you are right. There's a an episode with Heather Hang and Brett Weinstein on Rogan. It was the first one they did together years ago now, and they asked everybody to try and imagine somebody of the opposite sex who is beautiful but not hot and then someone that is hot but not beautiful. And the distinction that they made there was that a lot of modern culture, especially media, magazines, Instagram, so on and so forth, they're signaling off hotness, not beauty. And hotness wanes with age, whereas beauty can either stay stable or appreciate with age. You know, you think of someone that's got grace and poise and they've kind of got this timeless sort of look to them that stays over time, as opposed to someone that's hot, which is kind of quite obvious and in your face and it's very much sort of that Instagram style. And um, yeah, again with that, like I, I said this to uh, with a surprisingly low amount of kickback from the internet, that if you're a woman who's made it to 30 and your primary source of value is still your looks, then you need to be quite careful about how you spend the next five years because that is uh, typically that is only going to go in one direction no matter how much cosmetic surgery you get. And if that's – you need to have something else. Think about an investment portfolio. If you had an investment portfolio and 100% of your investment was in one particular stock, you'd think, well, I probably could be a bit more hedged here. I probably could spread my risk a little bit more effectively. And the same thing goes with with girls. Like There is a fucking – Litany of personal development stuff out there for you so you can become spiritually comfortable with yourself outside of it. You can gain confidence. You can, you know, do whatever it is that you want to do. But OnlyFans allows the race to the bottom of the brainstem to perpetuate.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the, the, um, on the one hand, so the, 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 the superficial standards in a way of, I think also what social media does. And what the apps do is they create this kind of uh, archetype of someone who's attractive, both for men and women. And it's very crude. So so I think I I, I, th- I think it emphasizes like the chad or it puts people in these boxes, like you're a chad or you're a you're a loser or whatever. Whereas I think um in the in the real world it's like what people are attracted to, it's not like a conscious choice. And I think it's way more, way more complex. I mean, someone could not be like the quote unquote nine or ten in like looks or whatever but they can be a very charismatic person they can have a very magnetic personality Dude,
0: got, i've got some really ugly mates that crush yeah, it I with see. girls yeah that exactly. absolutely crush it with girls and you think well yeah. you wouldn't have got picked up on the app but then they're, they're like every single night they swarms of girls around them because they're funny or charming or whatever
1: yeah, yeah it's like vibe. they have the, the 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 cool vibe or whatever and they give off that kind of aura of of, of being cool i guess Um, if that if that that isn't too vague but i think social media gives this idea to um men and women that that there's kind of one type of look one one version of success in a way and then i think it's it is quite easy to get disheartened by that because we're bombarded with we're on our phones you know all day we're bombarded with these images constantly and this idea of what the kind of the so whereas once we were bombarded with the idea of what the the, the, the normal life is the monogamous, nuclear family, whatever, picket, white picket fence. Now we're bombarded with this idea of what's attractive. Um, and if you're not living up to that. Again, women have had this for years. If you're not living up to that, you should feel bad about yourself. But I think it's also men are subjected to that similar pressure uh, now as well. Like if you're not the chad, if you're not these things, then, um, yeah, you're, 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 you're kind of screwed. What's it's not really true.
0: Yeah. What's happening with consent? At the moment, because I remember a little while ago, maybe sort of two two to five years ago, there was all of this sort of consent porn floating around and these weird um you must ask before you say hello, you must ask before you touch, you must ask before that. What's where's that at? Have you have you seen any of this stuff?
1: I mean, with 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 that stuff, I mean I think that stuff will I think that stuff will always hit the roadblock of um like in terms of like people there's a joke about you having to sign consent forms before you you sleep with someone. and stuff i mean that's never going to happen because that isn't anyone that isn't how it goes down that isn't just isn't how it goes that isn't how it happens and i don't think that's how most people most women would want would want it to happen like that either but i do think at the same time i i absolutely do think that like there is a a lot of education to be done among men in terms of again if you if you if when i've spoken to to girlfriends uh, people i've dated about their experiences uh, from from dating apps and whatever they all have one story of some some pushy guy who, who doesn't pretty much all of them have some story of some pushy guy who doesn't accept no for an answer um so there's something wrong in the culture i think that that's still something women have to face they don't feel they can report it they don't feel like they can uh, necessarily come forward about that i think there's there's two things going on. I think the attempt to formalize it through, you know, um, affirmative consent, written consent or whatever is I think that's ridiculous. But I do think there's um, there needs to be you know, more repercussions for men who who don't, you know, who, who do push push the boundaries and, and don't accept no for an answer. But I also think men need to be that there is a there is a kind of rape culture um, to some extent, I think, in certain like fraternities of men. What does that mean? I think there's, there's, I mean, there's kind of a, a, an assumption, I think, among some men that, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I heard from the pickup community years ago that, 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 you know, women have, some women have rape fantasies. So, um, there's like, it's okay to kind of, to push it. And, and, you know, no means, no just means not yet. and, And this kind of stuff, which I think is, that's very dangerous to be telling, um, especially socially uncalibrated or dark triad, dark triad men, this kind of information. They, they, they would feel like they have a free pass to sexually assault someone. But I just think there's in terms of just from speaking to like female friends and stuff, I I, I feel like there is an assumption among men, some men that they can just keep pushing it. And there won't be really any repercussions. Um, if they do that, because, um, few women would actually do want to go take these things further.
0: Hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, I, that makes me that makes me really uncomfortable. The fact that pretty much every girl that you know, and I think a lot of the ones that I do as well, have had a situation where this happens. I wonder. So David David Bus in that Bad Men and anyone who hasn't read it needs to go and check it out because it's a fucking awesome read. Mm-hmm. He talks about the fact that most men aren't like this, but you have a a small minority of men that complete the majority of offences, and um. Yeah, the danger is that you nerf relationships to the stage where all of the excitement, which which comes from the, the uncertainty, right? Like the reason that people get excited is the fact that she doesn't know if you're actually interested or not, and you don't know if she's interested or not. Like that's where the spark comes from, at least in part. And if you get rid of that, you know, with even if you decide against having the, the, the form and the fingerprint ID to say, yes, I want to have sex, if you do have... Enough to get rid of that excitement again, desire mm-hmm. will always win out, and it, you're going to lose. so I don't know how much you can cu- culturally sort of get rid of the of the real bad actors. You know if you've got someone that's narcissistic, psycho- psychopathic and high in machiavellianism, like I think those people are just going to fuck the game no matter what. I, I don't, I don't want to call anyone a lost cause, but kind of just feel a little bit like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think you ever, like, eliminate, the, you know, the the propensity of a segment of people to try and take advantage of, you know, people try and take, those people who try and take advantage of any situation, you know, if there's money there, they would see that if there's, they feel like they can get away with sexually insulting someone, they will do that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a police matter, basically. But I do think there's, I mean, I do think there's an onus on, on, the rest of us as men to kind of call that out when we see it you know i i do think a lot of men are good at this already like i do think there is that kind of um you know in the street or something if, if people see someone hassling a woman men often will step in um and, and and intervene i think doing that i think can be can be a positive like if, you, if your friend is is acting in a way that's sleazy or whatever like calling them out i also think men learning basic social skills so being socially calibrated so that uh so as David Buss says in in his book is so they have more empathy from the woman's perspective so you know asking your female male friends how does it feel when how you know what, what was this experience how did that feel like to you like because you you know I've been with with a, a, a girlfriend in like a bar or something and someone's approached and I just thought it was like a normal conversation and she was like oh he was really creepy and it's like asking why because I think our Men and women, you know, often don't see the other person's perspective. Totally so, different
0: worlds, yeah. We dating. exist in different planes.
1: Yeah, dating and stuff. So I think that would be that would be something like we we can do um, as as kind of guys in that situation.
0: I've definitely seen a big change in the way that young guys talk about relationships and girls in general and sort of the culture. So I've been in lads' chats of one form or another, whether that be like BlackBerry Messenger, BBM pin back in the day, or WhatsApp chats for kind of the last 10 years or so, running club nights, constantly having young guys in there who are at university, who are liberated sexually, who have parties and girls on tap, and hearing the sort of language and seeing it come out of myself as well. And, you know, like the... the movement over time where the Overton window of acceptable speech has shifted from and to perfect example of this. We used to have um cards that all of the boys had to have in their wallets at all times and it said, um, you're fit, come to voodoo. And it was a free entry pass, but we could they could only give it to girls. And there was another one that said your mint come to skint. So that was a bit more cheesy. Um and someone posted <laughs> it in one of our group chats today and said, look what I just found in an old wallet. And uh, a bunch of people said, fucking hell, mate, you wouldn't be able to do that now. Wouldn't be, able to have, wouldn't be able to have that now. And it is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but the fact that you have people who aren't culture warriors, they're not bothered about keeping their finger on the pulse of the fucking bleeding edge of what's happening with ideology and identity politics and intersectionality, but they are aware that there has been some sort of a reckoning. has happened you know whether it be me too whether it be jimmy savile then sort of trickling down to the epstein and the weinstein and the so on and so forth they're aware of that and these are just fucking salt of the earth dudes who are now in their late 20s looking back on their time at university and realizing wow times have changed in the period of less than 10 years
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think there's kind of a I mean, yeah, I mean, I think on the one hand, there's, there's, I think it's good that these, these bad guys have been exposed. There was people getting away with so much for so long um, in terms of how they treated women. I think it's, it's good they've been exposed. But I, I think some of the, the media kind of interpretation of some of this stuff is a bit overblown um, on, from both sides. So I think the, there is this idea propagated on uh, progressive social media that all women just walk around in fear of being assaulted at all times. Um, I think that's an exaggeration, um, but I also think that the kind of um, there's a that there's an aspect in the of the kind of manosphere, if you like, wh- which which exaggerates how much how difficult it is to go and start a conversation with a woman nowadays because oh you're going to be accused of of sexual assault or something. It's like people I actually know who go out and um, do um, date and and go on date stuff who who are socially calibrated and and aren't like weird. They don't. They never have these experiences, these issues, really, because there is a sweet spot where it's like just be cool. Here's um, here's what I keep
0: on thinking weird. About. I keep on thinking that the vast majority of people making these comments about the real world only exist on the internet, but because they're the loudest voices on the internet, people mm-hmm. like us that exist in the real world as well, that maybe sort of have one foot in either mm-hmm. and straddle it, are like, oh fuck, dude, did you hear about? Did you hear about the fact that? 17% of people don't want it and it's like yeah but those 17% of people don't leave the house that's yeah. the 17% of people that have never had anybody come up to them ever and I've got yeah f-
1: sorry go ahead. just I've got a
0: friend who is a very fucking well-rounded young guy uh, and I was out with him not long ago and he, he reiterated that to me he said that to me he was like dude like you know I've sort of could do with getting a bird at the moment it's, I'm going through a bit of a dry patch or whatever and I was like, oh man, like, you know, there's the chicks over there. And chicks he's like, no, man, you can't go up and talk to someone. It, you know, it's dangerous. And I say like, you are you spend too much time on the internet, my friend. You spent too much time on the internet. Yeah,
1: that, that that is that is a good example, I think, of like Twitter mind or where um so I, I try not to use social media too much because on the one hand you've I've got you know, there's Instagram where it's like this idea of perfection in terms of photos, and then on Twitter it's this um that it can be this like weird activist space where any kind of social faux pas, people like a load of obsessives who are just on there all day will jump on it and uh, and take you t- t- to shreds. And and that's happened to me like a bunch of times. Um, <laughs> but then yeah, if you go out, if you go out to a bar or something, or if you just go out into the real world, or if you know, I I have tried to have friends not in that space, so not engaged in politics, not on Twitter all the time. And when I'm with those people, it's I just remember, it's like coming up for air. I remember that actually, uh, in the real world, it's, it's um, yeah, common sense tends to prevail and people have a reason, fairly reasonable idea of how to approach these situations. Again, yeah, there's the, the percentage of people who don't. But, um, I mean, I wouldn't be friends with those people anyway, so.
0: What about masculinity? Do you think, obviously, there's been a bit of a reckoning, like masculinity's been a An analogy or it's been on the the ancillary end of, of this reckoning around Me Too and men in positions of power using that to get themselves access, sexual access and abusing it and stuff like that. But it does feel, at least to me, like that's left a bit of a void for masculinity that men are now struggling to try and find a societally acceptable, wholesome, but also desirable masculine cliche for them to, a road for them to walk down.
1: Yeah I think it's I think there is like a lot of um, it is kind of it's it's like a cliche to say it but it is a confusing time to be a man particularly a younger man I think in in many ways within the culture because on the one hand you're you're fed this narrative that masculinity is toxic and I mean so I've even I've even read things about um, so yesterday I was reading something and it talked about how Gym memberships has gone up 40% between 2015 and 2018 or something. And when I read that, I thought, oh, that's that's great. That means more people are taking care of themselves. There's because we have an obesity problem, so it's it's a good thing if more people are joining the gym. But it was framed as this kind of toxic obsession with the self. And um then I've seen it framed as you know toxic masculinity. And yeah, I mean it can be of course if when it goes to a certain point. But generally, it's like a positive thing. to uh, work out. So I like I, I find it somewhere where I can switch off from the writing and meet a different kind of uh, crowd of people that I'd meet through like, journalism and it's just like it's just that it's just a great um, a, a great environment to be in and it's loads of positive positive things come from that but it's framed as like toxic and you know toxic masculinity. Um, so, so men I think are often fed this narrative that masculinity is inherently toxic um, which I think is, can be very damaging. But then on, they go out onto the sexual marketplace, they go out to a bar, they go onto an app, and it's the guys who are stereotypically masculine which tend to be doing better with, um, when it comes to dating. So it, there's, it throws up this kind of cognitive dissonance, like what is going on here? So when I was in my early, uh, late teens, early 20s, I was into like emo and uh, punk music and stuff, where it's not the most like, masculine dudes like um, lamenting their lost like sweethearts and stuff. And, and I I, I absorbed, imbibed the idea that that was how, that you should put your, wear your heart on your sleeve. That's how you are. Uh, that yeah. sounds like
0: a, that sounds like a taking back <laughs> Sunday song or something, doesn't it?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there is a song from that <laughs> genre uh, entitled that, but I thought that was the way you kind of like, that's the way you, this is the way you get girls. You like dye your hair black and wear like nail varnish and be like uh, sensitive, like sens- Jared sensitive. Jared Leto. Jared Leto gets the
0: birds, man. <laughs>
1: But then those people have status, though. So that is what I was misunderstanding. So if they're in the world famous like emo band, they have status, so they can dress as a you know a, a chocolate chip cookie and they'd still get laid. Um, yeah. But it but it was um, but 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 the, the reality, like if you look at the, the the like the evidence, like I went out a lot. I spent a year. I spent a long time at university, and then I was in Vegas for like a while, and I was going out a lot, and. You see what, what what how it goes down. Really, you see the people who these the women you find attractive go home with, and it isn't the the sens- nice sensitive emo guy. It's the uh, extroverted, socially dominant, whatever. Not always the chat necessarily, just the person with the status in the environment, say the club environment, for the person who has the DJ, the dance floor table, whatever. Um, and I think that confuses. That was really confusing to me. Um, as a man, because it's like, I felt like I was being lied to by the mainstream. Progressives were lying to me and saying that it was just a blank slate and men and women just want the same things. And even the mainstream itself was still wedded to this old-style, old-fashioned narrative that just don't worry about it, you'll you'll meet someone and fate will take care of it, like in the Hollywood film where the nerd, the, the nice man, the nice fellow gets the woman in the end. So I think it's very confusing, both of those things.
0: But there hasn't been as far as I can see, a solution. There hasn't been something new that's come through to fill that void. It's like, yeah, I can accept, everyone can accept, should be able to accept, that men using status and resources to get abusive access to sex in return for them doing something in the workplace is, like, fucking reprehensible. But we also have to concede that there are certain elements of masculine energy which are inherently attractive to women, Okay, yeah, and so you, yeah. you've thrown the, the baby, the bathwater, and the fucking baths gone out the window. Like, what are we left with?
1: Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, there, there is a contradiction in that lamenting the – on the one hand, it's, you know, we lament the abuse of men in powerful positions, exploiting that position to – I don't mean like Weinstein, Weinstein necessarily because that that's that's a rape situation. But, I mean, where men in high-powered power, high positions – um use that position to get with younger much younger women, much more attractive women than they are. And and that's kind of everybody is exploiting everyone in some ways. And again, I'm not talking about harassment or 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 things like that, but it's like you often have have the, the women who are, who are going to these nightclubs say in that that environment just to find to these tables to find the high status men because they will benefit economically and increase their own social status if they're on their Instagram and then the men at the the men are using their own leverage their status their their finances their even just their contacts in the club like in vegas you you also had a layer of uh entrepreneurs in that respect who didn't have any money but would still be on that have these dark, these amazing tables because of connections and stuff which was quite interesting but then because they'd had the status they would now kind of um they would now meet more women than they would if they just stayed in their usual economic role so i mean everyone's exploiting everyone in 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 some respects i i think it's we don't really hear that because everything today is framed in like oppressor oppressed and it's this binary whereas in some situations yeah people are getting different things out of, out of the situation
0: yeah it's too simplistic man mm-hmm. to split things yeah. off like that it just
1: yeah it doesn't doesn't take in any of the nuances of 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 human beings basically that you know men are, are not not just like this and women are not just like this but sometimes we are selfish sometimes we seek to improve Ryan own status sometimes um yeah and 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 no one's inherently virtuous like there's like Bertrand russell's quote about the fallacy of the superior virtue of the oppressed it's like i agree that women have been oppressed by a kind of patriarchal structure superstructure for much of the last kind of few thousand years but That doesn't mean that that there aren't, you know, that that doesn't mean that that all men are bad, men are trash or whatever, and and that women are inherently virtuous. It's obviously more complicated than that.
0: It's the same theme that I'm seeing with pretty much everything that sort of social deconstructionists that want to completely upend absolutely everything are doing it at such a pace that we can't work out which is baby and which which is bathwater. Like, look, did I need that bit of society? It's like, no, nope, too late. It's gone. It's in the incinerator. Like, fuck! I might have wanted that. That like we might. It might have been religion. Might have been useful. Like, there's there's an increasing number of people that are cultural Christians now because they fucking long for a, a, a weekly service with people from their local community that helps them feel awe and a connection to a higher power. But we threw that out of. The, and it's like, okay, so let's throw out of the window masculinity. Let's throw out of the window the all of this stuff and. We should do that with our peril, man, because fucking having to reinvent all of the shit that we already discovered is... It's a real fuck-on, and it's highly inefficient.
1: Yeah, and there's an arrogance to it as well that... I mean, it's very... Um, so we we see our society now and think that will just prevail forever. You know, we can throw as much shit at it as we want, um, but it'll just be fine. You know, we'll always live in a liberal democracy. We'll always be able to... But it's like, no, you can actually throw enough at it and then it, it, it's deposed for something much worse where you, you no longer have the freedom to, to criticize that that system. Um yeah I mean I think the I think we're we're at a place now where um the West is kind of denigrated and and like I, I have many criticisms of of like capitalism, for example, but I think I was I feel vel- relatively lucky to to have been born in, in this country and to to grow up here. I don't feel um, and, and I grew up working in a working class home. I wasn't someone from a privileged background, but I still feel relatively fortunate to grow up here. And and there's a, there's a weird deconstructionism around um, gender roles and specific, specifically. So, I mean, on the one hand, you know, I think gender is nature inertia. I think there's many roles that women have been pushed into to, for for the advantage of men, so that um, you know, for the service of men, basically. But at the same time. I find it's really weird to me that the main narrative in liberal politics is this blank slate ideology where there's no such thing as masculinity and femininity. It's all a social construct because I feel like at the same time, everyone knows in their dating life that that's not true because there has to be some polarity there. there, There's the old like thing about opposites attract. There's... um, there's, there has to be this polarity there it's like you know what femininity is as a as a heterosexual man I know what feminist I may not be able to describe femininity necessarily but I know it when I see it like that 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 famous um that famous quote and, and I think most women it's the same but we have to we pretend otherwise I think because I, I I don't know I think because if we acknowledge that there's these things that are inherently different people fear that then um, – you know, it won't be different, but equal, it would be different. But therefore you must, you must, if you're a woman, you must stay in the kitchen or you must uh, stay at home or whatever. And I think that's, um, yeah, I mean, that's inevitable though, isn't it? Because for, for in the recent past, that was what men used that information to do. They use the differences between men and women to oppress women.
0: Danger of overshooting, man. Really, really got to be, got to be careful with that stuff. But James Bloodworth, ladies and gentlemen, if people want to keep up to date with what you're doing, where should they go?
1: Uh, So you can follow me on Instagram at james.bloodworth and also Twitter is j__bloodworth.
0: Awesome. Cheers, dude.
1: Cool, this was fun. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for tuning in. If you weren't already convinced that the dating economy is wrecked, then there we go, nails in the coffin for you. Also, if you haven't picked up a copy of the Modern Wisdom reading list, go and do it right now. Get your face and take it to chriswillex.com slash books, 100 books that you should read before you die, the most interesting and impactful that I've ever read, fiction, non-fiction, and real-life stories, and it's free, and you should get it, chriswillex.com slash books. Also, you can receive a 40% discount site-wide on everything from Boohoo Man, no matter whether you're in America or in the UK, by going to bit.ly slash manwisdom, that's bit.ly slash Man Wisdom and the code MW40 at checkout for a huge whopping 40% off, plus Pure Sports CBD's brand new Unwind blend, plus their Mushroom Mind and Body blend is 20% off if you go to puresportscbd.com slash wisdom and use the code MW20 at checkout. I'll see you next time.